Welcome to the School Psych Podcast, where we are learning brains and growing hearts. I'm your host, Ivana Luki. This podcast is meant to be a resource for caregivers and school staff, or really just anyone interested in the psychology of learning. Before we jump into this week's episode, just a small caveat. Although I work for a local school division, this podcast is a personal project, and it's unaffiliated with said school division. With that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome to episode four of the School Psych Podcast. Last episode, we talked about the breadth of issues or challenges that a school psych can help with, whether that be anxiety, ADHD, or questions about attention, cognition, or memory. So if you want to learn more about that, listen to episode three. This week, we're talking about how do you actually access a school psychologist and who would be in the position to be accessing a school psych? I'm thinking this episode is going to be kind of a quickie. I don't think this will take that long to explain, but there is a bit of a process, so I thought it would be helpful information. First things first, you can access a school psych if you are a guardian or a parent of a child who is in the school system, or if you're a teacher. That could be a classroom teacher, a school counselor, or a resource teacher, basically a school team member. Now notice I said school system, not public school system. Some of you might be surprised to hear that many private schools actually do have access to school psychologists and other school clinicians. Even myself, I attended a high school that was a private school, and I didn't know if we had access to a school psychologist, and maybe at the time, I probably didn't even know the difference between that and a school counselor. But it's true, many private schools do have access to school psychology, and students at private schools have issues and obstacles in life as well. This is not just a public school resource. In general, are school psychologists easy to access? I don't think we're going to love the answer to this question, but I'm going to kind of sit on the fence. No, school clinicians aren't always easy to access but it's not impossible. And so the purpose of this episode is to walk through how to do that. What's the process? It's also kind of the purpose and mission of this podcast, right? I know that school psychs aren't always easy to access. And so I'm trying to provide some helpful information through another platform. I'm going to quickly review why a school psych can be hard to access. So you don't think that we're just um, sitting in an office, twiddling our, our thumbs somewhere and eating bonbons. School psychs sometimes have four to five schools that they're servicing. Uh, Depends on where you're located. I've heard of schools in the States and schools even in rural Canadian districts or divisions uh, where the school psychologist might have up to 17 schools on their caseload. So they're really only getting to one of those schools maybe once per year, if that, unless there's something very, a very specific request. So I promise we're working hard and we're not trying to put up barriers. First, we're going to talk about accessing a school psych through the point of view of a teacher, and then we'll talk about from the perspective of a parent. Let's say you're a classroom teacher and you have a student who is so much fun, very active, lots of energy, um, struggles to focus at any given time of the day, and you have some questions about maybe some potential challenges with executive functioning or attention or hyperactivity or impulsivity. At this point, let's say you haven't heard anything from the parent or resource teacher or administrator about any diagnoses the student might live with that are relevant for you to know in supporting their growth or learning. What's your first step? 
if you've had this situation happen and you didn't do what I'm about to say, please don't stress. Don't worry. There are many ways to go about supporting kids and we're all doing the best we can with the information that we have at the time. But my suggestion would be to first talk to your support teacher or resource teacher link. There's a chance that some of this information might be in a student support file. Many students have these, but the reality is we don't always know about it right away. There's lots of reasons why the file might not be in the hands of the right person yet. Uh, Schools and communities are busy places. Maybe a family has moved mid-year. Maybe there was a parental leave for a teacher and they got switched out and it happened earlier than expected. Anyways, lots of reasons, but ask your support teacher, is there some history or background on this student that we don't know about yet? Can we check? Do they have a support file? Let's take a look at that. I have some questions. If a student has just moved into your school and you find there is no file, maybe shoot a quick email to the last school to just double check that there was no support file or no history and ask if there is any information that you need to know to support this student. Maybe ask for suggestions about what was successful for the student at the last school. Let's say the last school says, nope, there were no issues or challenges when the student was attending our school. There is no history of support file. This is where you and your resource teacher link or your support teacher start to have some of those rich consultation conversations. You're maybe going to ask them to observe the student or spend some time in your classroom getting to know the student and seeing how they respond to classroom instruction or independent work or group work, you know, different settings. Maybe they're different in phys ed and music. Uh, just get some eyes on the student from the support teacher or the resource teacher because they have might have some really valuable suggestions based on their experience and how to support students' growth. This might look a little different in high school. The resource or support teachers in high school might not always get into classrooms to do observation. Sometimes they do, but if they don't, they might offer you some suggestions on the spot, some consultation, or they might start booking that student in for support time or resource time. What I mean is sometimes resource teachers have blocks of time where students can come during that period to work on assignments in classes that they're really struggling with. After the resource teacher gets to know the student a bit better and they feel like they have a good handle on what might be appropriate next steps, they might then decide to communicate with parents. Not only do we need to inform parents about what we're observing for their child, but also we can really learn from parents. There might be some suggestions that guardians have that are really helpful for the student at home or what worked in their previous school in this student's learning process. Before accessing a school psychologist, a resource teacher might work with a student in a classroom or maybe in a small group for anywhere between one to two times to a whole year. Maybe they observe the student in a classroom and based on their expertise and experience, they still have more questions. They're wondering, I haven't really seen this before. I don't really know what's going on with this student's attention. We need to answer some questions about their cognitive skills or their memory. Um, So at that point, they might consult with the school administrator before making this next decision, or they might just go straight to consultation with the school psychologist. On the other end of the spectrum, a resource teacher might be running a literacy group or a guided reading group with a handful of students. And let's say 
five out of six students are making the expected progress in this literacy group, but this one student is really not responding to this ongoing frequent reading practice. And so the resource teacher has questions about how the student has been progressing over the past few months. And at that point, they might want to access school psychology or um, speech language pathology or a reading clinician. Whenever a support teacher or administrator decides it's time to consult with school psychology, it's at this point I recommend, again, communication with parents. The rules differ in every school district or school board about when's the right time to get parent permission, whether that's verbal or written, to have conversations with school clinicians. Sometimes we have these consultations in the hallway and I don't know a student's name and I just say, oh, have you tried this? But sometimes it's going to be a more in-depth consultation about a student. And out of respect for parents, whether it's signed or verbal or whatever your rules are in your division, it's at this point, I definitely recommend a conversation with a parent. It doesn't have to be anything intense or overly complicated, but you might just want to say, you know what, we've tried this and this, and we've looked at the history for this for your child, and we have a bit more questions, and we're just wondering if we might be able to consult with the school psychologist about that. They might be able to give us some food for thought or another perspective in how to help your child. You don't really want a parent down the line being surprised to find out that the school psychologist has been having conversations with staff about their child. That can damage relationships between families and school, and we're always working to get on the same page because we always have these kids' best interests in mind. Resource teachers or support teachers are often that first line of consultation for a classroom teacher when they have questions about a student. But there's also school counselors. That's another line of consultation, kind of first line. And so maybe a school counselor is working with a student for a week or two weeks or a whole year. And again, the school counselor is not making the progress with the student that they would think or things have really escalated to a really concerning level and they want to consult with school psychology about should we be putting some more intense interventions into place? Should we be uh, connecting with health professionals outside of the school? Should you, the school psychologist, or maybe the school social worker start meetings with this student? Although parent permission isn't always required for a school counselor to consult with a school psychologist about a student, I recommend trying to be open and transparent with parents at this step uh, when it makes sense and when possible. Sometimes we can not use names and say, this student is really having a conflict with another student and it's been going on for a year or two years and now it's gotten really serious and really aggressive. And yeah, sure, you don't have to use the students' names. We can always have those consultations, but always helpful to have parents be in the loop so we can all be on the same team. Okay, so to quickly summarize how to access a school psych from the viewpoint of a classroom teacher, basically, you have your first line of support, and that's your administrator or your resource teacher or your school counselor, and those are your go-to people. And if after their involvement and support, there are still questions that you all have as a school team, then you might consult with school psychology, and and that school psychologist will help decide in collaboration with you about how involved or intense that role is going to be. Okay, now let's talk about from the perspective of a parent, how do you access 
the school psychologist. And I think this is going to be pretty short because it follows very naturally how uh, the teacher would access the school psychologist in that you first start with your child's immediate school team. So if you're having concerns about your child, maybe you think they're living with anxiety and that's really impacting their attendance and their ability to come to school and to to really focus and to learn, or maybe you've noticed that they haven't made the progress in reading that they thought you thought they would make in grade one or two. Uh, so yeah, you start with your classroom teacher. And you express these concerns and you get their thoughts and you ask, have you noticed the same thing? What can we do to help my child? How can we improve this? Let's let's workshop this together. And if over time, the classroom teacher is starting to feel the same kinds of concerns as you, or maybe as a team, you agree, hmm, we need more information about what's going on for this child. Well, that classroom teacher is, of course, going to access their own school team, you know, the resource or support teacher or the school counselor or the administrator. And then maybe at that point, they may decide kind of like I was just explaining before to access the school psychologist for consultation. Now, before I say this next part, I just want to give my spiel about teamwork. Um, I know that as guardians or parents, we don't always agree with the people who spend a significant portion of time all day every day with our children. There's going to be tensions, disagreements, conflicts, of course, but you can make so much traction and get so much farther if you come from a place of assuming that we all have your child's best interests in mind and we're all trying our best and maybe we just need to communicate about what's the best route, what's the best next step. Okay, now that I've said that, I understand that if you're feeling like you've expressed concern and maybe the school team has decided that they're going to they're going to try some kind of intervention or plan for your student or your child and then over time you don't feel like they're making the progress you'd hope or it's not working and you're not seeing improvements and you don't feel like you're getting the response that you want um of course, that's when it's time to advocate for your child. Express to the classroom teacher that you're still concerned about what's going on and you'd like to maybe schedule a meeting with yourself and the classroom teacher and the support teacher. You can at that point ask if it would be valuable to have a divisional clinician attend I can't guarantee that there will immediately be a clinician at that meeting, but my hope is that your child's school team would hear that you are still concerned, maybe more increasingly concerned, and it's time to sort of take the next step and get some more help for your child. Okay, so like I said, this was just a quick episode, kind of just a basic guide on how to access a school psychologist. On the next episode, we'll be taking a deep dive on anxiety. What is it? What are the different kinds? How can we be proactive about it, etc.? So if that interests you, please tune in to that episode and know that I so appreciate your time and attention in trying to learn how to help kids' mental health. If you have any questions or topics of interest you want me to cover, please email the podcast at schoolpsychpodcast at gmail.com. If you find the podcast helpful, please rate and review wherever you listen so others can find it. Thanks for tuning in and catch you next time 
on the School Psych Podcast.